This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I'm Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And we are once again so, 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 so happy to be joined by the magnificent, the fabulous, the delightful Bridget Todd. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. It's been too long. I'm really excited to be back with you all. It has been too long. Uh, and you've been doing some really cool things, some really cool traveling. Would you like to share? Ooh, uh, sure. I was on a little bit of a whirlwind travel vibe this summer. I went to Denver for the Psychedelic Sciences Conference in Denver, Colorado, which was the largest gathering of psychedelic medicine advocates and professionals in the United States. It was a very interesting time. I learned a lot about psychedelics. Uh, if anyone has questions, I'm not the expert, but it's my <laughs> new favorite topic. Um, from there, I went to Moab, or Moab, I hope I'm saying it right, Moab, Utah, um, to hike in Arches National Park, which was Possibly the coolest, most beautiful experience of my life. Uh, I've never seen, I've never really been out West. So it was, it was like the coolest thing. I, have y'all ever done like any of the Utah National Parks or anything like that? Mm-mm. I did. I uh, and I agree with you. I wasn't, I guess, shame on me. Utah wasn't on my radar. And then when I went there, I was like, this is stunning. Like there's so much, the colors and the like structures is just beautiful. Yeah, literally, I DM'd a friend from Utah, and I was like, why have you been gatekeeping Utah? Like, <laughs> this is the, like you people don't know about Utah? Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe it's just my own ignorance of that part of the country. But it was probably the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Um, yeah, it was so cool. I was sad to leave. I cannot recommend those national parks more highly. Also, people really prepared me. They were like, oh, Arches National Park is good luck going there. It's so full of influencers. It's so crowded. Like, get there early. Be prepared to wait for hours. It really wasn't bad. When we got there, they were actually doing a pilot program with a timed entry. We waited in the car to enter the park, maybe 20 minutes. And then the hike up to the Delicate Arch, which is the loop that we did, um, which is very popular. It was normal. Like, it wasn't, I wouldn't have called, I would not have called it crowded. Like, Mm -hmm. from what I experienced, if people are telling you that it's the most crowded place ever and it's not worth going, that was not my experience. We also went huh. kind of at a weird time. We went around like 5 p.m. because it was very hot. Um, yes. People should definitely go is what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. On my it's, bucket list. It's really beautiful. Um, I, I was on a road trip a couple, I think it was in 2012. I don't know. A while back. Uh, and we, my friend and I drove through the West and it was cool because we would just see parks and we'd be like, let's go to there. And Utah had so many that were like, oh yeah, let's just stop there. So I agree. It's beautiful. Highly recommend. <laughs> did you make it out to Zion? I did. Yes. That's my, that's my next bucket list Western hike experience. I, yes. I really want to go. Yes. Your pictures were beautiful. I was very jealous. Oh, well, <laughs> yes. yeah, it's, 
I mean, the delicate arch did all the work <laughs> by being beautiful over the formation of like millions of years. So all praise to the you know, arch. All, all, praise, all praise the arch. Just a little thing of, you know, yeah, all that time. But um, yes, uh, we are very excited for you to talk about this. This is something I've discussed on the show. I'm very removed often from celebrity culture because it makes me really uncomfortable. Um, I think it's very important to talk about. So I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy you're bringing these things uh, to discuss. Um, but it is something that makes me uncomfortable for a lot of reasons. So <laughs> with that disclaimer, what are we discussing today, Bridget? So it's been a big week for men who want to control the women in their life. Last week, there were two big instances of high-profile women being treated, I would say, badly by the men in their lives. And that treatment was facilitated by technology or social media. Um, Annie, I completely get how you feel about being like your discomfort around this issue. It's an issue that I kind of wrestled with on whether or not it was an issue that I wanted to include in the sort of lexicon of things that I talk about as somebody who cares about social media and whether or not it's making us healthier or, you know, living more fulfilled lives. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it was that I, the listenership of my own podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet, it skews young. It's like a little bit younger than podcast listenership more broadly. And so I realized that, you know, a lot of younger people are having experiences where digital media, social media, technology, smartphones are coming in between them and the people that they're in romantic relationships with. That's not really my experience. I've been in a relationship with the same person for a while now. I'm older. I'm not like online dating. I don't have a lot of, you know, digital baggage in my own romantic life and personal life. However, it is something that I think people who are a bit younger than us, that's their every day. And so I realized that my not talking about the issue wasn't really doing a service to my listenership uh, because this is something that is their, that is their reality if, if people on the internet are to be, be believed. And so it is a little bit awkward and like, we, I want to talk about this carefully. I want to talk about what kind of digital behavior or social media behavior crosses a line in a romantic relationship. But I do want to give a few like clear caveats. We're talking about celebrities. I want to be super clear that I don't know, we don't know any of these people. We are not privy to what is happening inside of these relationships. These are not even people that I would say like, there are celebrity couples that I am read up on that I could, might feel a little bit more informed talking about. That is not even the case in that way. I am only talking about the specific communications that, will be outlined in this episode. I don't know what's happening in their relationship. I'm not privy to any of that. And I'm only really using these celebrity situations as a jumping off point to talk about situations that it sounds like a lot of us regular folk, non-celebrities might have faced in our romantic lives. So I just want to be really clear about that. Also, the two instances that we're talking about involve women in relationships with men. So it's going to sound very heteronormative. And for that, I apologize in very like, cis-centered. Um, but I want to be clear that that just happens to be the situation that these two people have found themselves in. These kinds of dynamics can happen with anyone of any gender, of any sexuality. Um, anybody can be a perpetrator of this kind of behavior or face this kind of behavior themselves. And so even though we're talking about women and their relationships with men um, who are all cisgender, that does not mean that those are the only you know, folks who are dealing with this, this because it's, it certainly spans everyone. Um, and also, just a huge caveat, I am not a relationship expert. I am not a mental health expert. I am not a lawyer. I am not a doctor. Uh, you, if, if, if this conversation raises something for you that makes you think like, oh, I want more information about this, or oh, this dynamic in my relationship, I, I'm curious about that dynamic, you should a thousand percent be talking to a mental health professional or a counselor if you feel like that this conversation um, does that for you. So I know that's a lot of caveats, but I do think it's important to talk about this in a careful and thoughtful way because it is a, a complex topic. It is. And uh, myself, um, as discussed in previous episodes, I kind of escaped the social media. I was like on the 
way out of high school when a lot of it was picking up or in college and I still didn't really get involved. But I can I can pinpoint for me, it was more um, watching like entertainment tonight. Uh, But I can pinpoint things where I would see actors I like doing, exhibiting a certain behavior, being in a certain type of relationship and like can remember how that impacted me. So I do think this is hugely important, especially when you're young and you're kind of like trying to figure out what things look like and just because you know a celebrity is a celebrity yeah there there's still people and this stuff still happens and it can be really telling uh and informative uh to to break it down so with that being said let's get into these these instances you mentioned let's do it so last week kiki palmer who was an actor a podcaster all around icon uh she was in hustlers recently She's been famous for most of her life because she was a Disney star as a child. Um, she went to an Usher concert. Um, she, Kiki Palmer just had a baby pretty recently. And in the videos and pictures from this concert, it looks like she was having a great time. She was photographed kind of dancing with Usher on stage while he serenaded her. Just if folks haven't seen the video, it, do- it doesn't look like anything untoward is happening. Like Usher has his arm around her, but it's north of the butt like it's not like he's like groping her it looks it it just looks it honestly just looks like two people who are friendly having a moment of like oh he's gonna serenade me and like being into it but mostly it's like they look like two people who are friends Uh, she was wearing this dress that was kind of a black bodysuit with a full body mesh overlay thought the dress looked fine looked cute so when the videos of this moment of her being on stage came out The father of her child retweeted the video and added, it's the outfit though, you're a mom. Then he followed up with, we live in a generation where a man of the family doesn't want the wife and mother to his kids to showcase booty cheeks to please others, and he gets told how much of a hater he is. And yeah, that does sound like hater stuff to me. Most of the internet was like, that's not, we don't want to hear you talk to your partner that way. Um, not cool, not okay. I hate this for a couple of reasons. Just as a side note, as women, I think there's this pervasive attitude that our bodies are not our own and that we're essentially public property, that anybody gets to exert control over us and what we do with our bodies and scrutiny over us, right? Like society loves to look at a woman and be like, she is not dressed appropriately. She's not, she's doing something wrong. Like I, I think the experience of being women is that that's like part and parcel of that experience, unfortunately. And that trope is worsened, I believe, when you are pregnant or when you are a mom. It is telling to me that Kiki Palmer's partner was like, well, you're a mom. As if moms don't aren't allowed to have a night off, to go out, to wear a cute dress, to have fun, to be in charge of her own body. As if your body autonomy just ceases to exist when you have a child or you become someone's house partner. Um, and honestly, if anyone deserves to have a night out and like put on a fun outfit and go shake their booty a little bit, it's moms. Moms work so hard. Like give moms a break, give moms a night off. Moms deserve it. And I think it really comes back to that trope of once you're a mother, people feel very comfortable judging you, exerting control over you, criticizing what you do with your body and how you dress. But the reality is like, we're humans. We can go where we want, do what we want, wear what we want. Our bodies are our own. And just because you become someone's mother or partner or boyfriend or whatever, that still exists. Body autonomy still exists. And so I I just hate that trope so much. And I think that was really at play in his comments. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. 
Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. If you know Kiki Palmer at all, first and foremost, why would you do that publicly? Because she's going to take you out real quickly. But that's a whole different conversation because she's she's the queen of not taking shit. Let's just be real honest. But on top of that, it sounded like he's been waiting for a moment mm-hmm. to use that against her because he had nothing else before the fact. You know, it's kind of that conversation is that when the whole idea of marriage and why people, some people have a problem with marriage and, and uh, being um, becoming a mother is this idea that your identity must disappear and you're owned by your family. You're owned by your status as the mom or the wife. And that is no longer, um, your individuality is no longer in play. And so he did so many things, like he just really set himself up. <laughs> Especially knowing that her followers are probably going to have a mindset like her. Oh, that's exactly what happened. Most people were immediately defending Kiki. um, But a few people, like very loud, but I would say a minority of voices, but they were very loud voices, were saying that her boyfriend was right. And then using that as a springboard to sort of advocate for, quote, traditional roles in relationships, saying that Kiki was in the wrong for not respecting her boyfriend, not respecting her role as a mother. And sadly, people use this as an opportunity to really shame Kiki Palmer. You know, I saw people sharing pictures of her. Uh, Kiki Palmer has PCOS, which is a, a, which sometimes causes hormonal acne. And she is sh- she's been upfront about that um, and shared pictures of what that experience is like for her. And people were sharing those, resharing those pictures. And the vibe was very much like, look how ugly she is, like, she is acting like this and thinks she's some prize when, can you believe it? She gets acne. Her body responds to normal, like, physical stimuli in this way. Can you believe it? She has the nerve to have a bodily response and still believe that she deserves autonomy over her actions. So I don't necessarily know if this was her boyfriend's intention, but he really did open up the floodgates for people on the internet to insult his partner, which really is not cool. Right. That was the other part. I think when I first read that, I was like, wait, did they break up? Is he being bitter? What's ha- what's happening? <laughs> I don't understand. Did she leave him for Usher? Like, a, Is that his <laughs> chapter that I missed here? I was so confused because the, it was such an outright attack. Again, public outright display of attack that I was, I was like, wait, I missed something. I thought they were happily together co-parenting what, what's going on. Right. Um, not knowing again, not knowing anything about him, and he is kind of like not known. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he's not really yeah. known in the celebrity world. I googled him for to prep for this episode, and the internet says it co- described him as as an internet personality or like an right. like. So take that for <laughs> I, I had never heard of him before this. Take that for what for what you will. I guess we are too. Um, you know, also, this is just taking a one big step into it, but when it comes to Kiki specifically, there's definitely a level of massage noir. Once again, her partner, who is also uh, of the Black community, coming in and out and attacking her, sh- he should be the first one to know that this is going to go awry real bad. Totally. Especially being a Black young woman who is outspoken in, in general. Like, just the fact that he did that so openly, it literally set her up for all that kind of scrutiny and bullying. Oh my God, I I completely agree. And it's like, I don't know if you all have seen, there's this new thing on the internet where people are talking about basically just insulting the actor Zendaya from um, Euphoria. And I think Spider-Man maybe, I don't know, I didn't see that movie. But (laughs) basically it's like, it's the subtext is so clear that it's like, she is a woman of color. Like that, like that, like that is the subtext of 
the attacks. And what they'll do is they'll do a side screen of an image of Zendaya when she was in Euphoria playing somebody who had substance abuse issues and be like, and then do a side-by-side of like a woman that they say just like works at McDonald's or was a random girl on the bus to be like, oh, well, this white woman is so beautiful and you're telling me that Zendaya is a model when she looks like this? And it's like, well, you chose a picture of her when she was portraying somebody who is going through heroin withdrawal, right? So like, good job on picking the worst picture that you can find. But (laughs) all of that is to say that you're absolutely right, Sam, that there is a toxic, racist, sexist dynamic on the internet where when people get the opportunity to insult or pile on a Black woman, especially, they're going to take it and it's going to be really bad. And I think that somebody who is, you know, your partner should not set you up to be the target of that in this way, because that's really what some people did. And I would say, luckily, as you said, Kiki was like mostly appeared publicly unbothered about this. She posted on Instagram that she wished that she had gotten more pictures in that dress, which like, LOL, girl, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she did a little uh, sweatshirts. Yes, yeah. I'm a mother. Yeah, I'm a mother. <laughs> I want to buy one. Oh my God, send me one, please. I'm like, yep, that, that is the Kiki. She's going That's to profit off of your stupidity. Don't exactly. do that. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then she also clarified something that I thought was really interesting and, and good context. She says, me and this person, we live together. We're raising a child together. Obviously, he saw me in this dress before I left the house. And he, if he had a problem with the way that she was dressed... He could have told her that then, you know, right. I don't I, I I don't love the idea of like a partner being like, I don't like that dress. But certainly if that was going to be a conversation they had, they could have had it face to face in the house that they right. shared together. The fact that he needed to tweet about it publicly, I think is really telling that he didn't tell her. Right. He told the world. And it sounds like according to Kiki, it wasn't about the dress It was about something else. And it sounds like that something else is like insecurity, watching his girlfriend be serenaded by Usher and have a good time without him. Um, But I think if you're a a guy looking for sympathy from the internet public, the internet streets, just tweeting like, I feel secure that my girlfriend is out without me and having a good time. That's not going to get you a lot of sympathy. That's not going to get like men's rights and traditional gender roles people advocating for you you have to be like no no no. i'm not insecure it's that she's a mom and that she's dressed like this i think that right. that that's really kind of like what i think is going on here right and you know it opens up so much conversation because soon after uh winnie harlow again this is all about autonomy because i don't care about what i would be very uncomfortable if i got just hugged on on stage. Like, I've seen a lot of conversation <laughs> recently of, like, uh, bands or people bringing people up and doing, like, dances. I'm like, I would hate that. That would be the wor- That would be the worst. That's me personally. But... There's there's no band who you would be like, oh, if they brought me on stage, I would know every lyric. I would be ready. I, my anxiety would have me want to <laughs> melt through the floor. Like, the, the truth of it all is, because I know I'm going to do something ridiculous, whether it's fall a trip on myself or just drool somehow or, you know, pass out. Maybe I'll just pass out. But all that to say, like, uh, Winnie Harlow was talked about soon after because she went to a concert and when Usher approached her, she sat in her boyfriend's lap. And so instead of being told that she was being inappropriate, she was told, you're a pick-me, essentially. Ooh, I remember I that. that term. I yeah. forget that term. But yeah. like that whole level of like, wow, why won't you let women be? Why can't they just be? That's the thing, though. And like, that's such a good example. I saw people being like, oh, what a loser, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know much about Winnie Harlow, but like, that's my point, is that it doesn't really matter what you do, because it's really not about finding the right way to be, quote unquote. It is a system that says that women's public behavior, the way they present themselves, is just up for scrutiny at all times. Right. You could be right. doing something like shaking your booty and having a good time and you'll get heat for it. You could be sitting on your lap and very modest and you'll get heat for it. It's a trap and a game with which there is no winning only losing because it doesn't matter. It's really not about what we're doing. It is about the dynamic that says that women need to be controlled. Everybody gets the right to have a, an opinion or a judgment about how a woman is presenting in public, whether it's her behavior, her, how she's dressed, whatever. I completely agree. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, like on the flip side, if, if this had happened, gender swap, then 
dudes would have been real mad about like you can't cool down like don't don't you come at me it was nothing you're being hysterical all of that stuff which yeah I'm interested in this this next example because I saw this headline and I was very confused by it but you when I was reading through the outline you do a really great job of breaking it down so who what is the other tale you brought (laughs) so if Kiki Palmer's boyfriend was like using pretty obvious language around, like, traditional gender roles and respects and all of that in a relationship where he dictates the behavior of his partner, it's pretty recognizable. We know what that is. We get it. It's clear. But, oh, what's that? Jonah Hill has entered the chat. (laughs) Because the Jonah Hill situation is very similar, but it's different in that it does sound to me like he is trying to exert control over his partner, but it's dressed up in a very different way, right? Jonah Hill is a self-described male feminist. You know, he has sleeve tattoos and has bleached hair and has talked about his issues with body image and the media and things that I would recognize as like, oh, this is somebody who is presenting themselves as a kind of progressive male ally feminist. You know, he dresses it up using words like respect and boundary. But in my opinion... This is still very much controlling behavior, even if it's not as obviously recognizable and clockable as the behavior that Kiki Palmer's boyfriend was displaying toward her. I think it is still controlling. So here's what's going down with Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill is an actor y'all probably know from movies like Superbad, Wolf of Wall Street. He was once in a romantic relationship with this professional surfer and law student, Sarah Brady. This relationship has since ended. Jonah Hill just had a baby with another partner, so... Sarah and Jonah, these two are no longer together. Sarah Brady released a trove of alleged text messages from Jonah Hill, where Jonah makes very clear and specific, I would call, say, demands of Sarah. Uh, Sarah has described this dynamic as emotionally abusive. Like, that's the term that she used to describe it. And she, she posted these text message screenshots with the comment on her Instagram. This is a warning to all girls. If your partner is talking to you like this, Make an exit plan. Call me if you need an ear. So this is a little bit of a summary of the kinds of conversations that they were having. Jonah wants her to take down specific images from her social media feed and is sending her screenshots of specific images and videos of her that he believes need to come down. So Sarah says to him, three removed, not the video yet. It is my best surfing video. Would you feel better if the cover frame was different? Any specific ones that bother you? Jonah says, yes, one that is not your ass in a thong. Sarah says, it's not a thong, but okay. Jonah says, and as far as the other pictures of you in a bathing suit, surfing or not, Jonah, in response to Sarah saying it's not a thong, says, I'm done. There's tons. I'm just going back the past month. You want to argue and I don't. Sarah says, you're done? What does that mean? Jonah says, I'm just over explaining myself. So not great. Uh, I don't think it's good or healthy to have a partner sending you specific images from your social media feed, kind of pressuring you to take them down. That does not sound like a healthy dynamic to me at all. You know, I I think it's interesting because we've talked about domestic violence and different ways of abuse and control in relationships. And, you know, we talked about financial uh, abuse and that was kind of a fairly new type of abuse. We talk about emotional abuse, fairly new as well, in conversation and then actually acknowledging it. But with social media, there does seem to be a new avenue. And it's not necessarily this context, because there's a lot to this that I'm like, yeah, this is really bad. And this is could be partially gaslighting. Again, though, I don't know their situation either. This is really gross language for sure and gross in demand. But I've definitely had friends in relationships where the partner and typically dudes were, well, that's not true. I actually have both. Uh, and just mm-hmm. calling them, I hate this. Why did you like this picture? You're following this person. You're doing this. Are you trying to cheat on me? And to be honest, there has been a lot of the the DMs slipping into the DMs, Annie, which I had to teach her about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were like, accusing Annie of slipping into DMs. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. No, she didn't know what it was. I had to explain it. She was like, wait, that's what they're doing? I was like, yeah, girl, get out. <laughs> but in that level of like, the, like, there's this whole new level of distrust and concern and control that's happening because of social media. And this is one of those things, whether it is uh, controlling 
their partner's content, which again happened on Twitch. We I don't think uh, we may have talked about. I know Annie and I we did an episode in which the partner was supposedly forcing his girlfriend to post specific things and then like berating her for being too sexy or not sexy enough, all those things. But this this has become a new conversation that I don't know if it's being taken seriously enough. But with things like this, which also, again, I think it's kind of one of those like, oh, this is, ooh, this feels, yes, this is bad, but this is also like there seems to be a gray line here too. We'll talk, I know you'll talk more about that. But yeah, this like whole level of control. And I don't know, is there a term for that already? Social media control? Yeah, I'm I'm using digital control, but I, I think you're exactly right. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this. I acknowledge that it's complex and some of these situations feel gray, like we don't really know. But there is a growing body of academic research into social media platforms and how that impacts romantic relationships. And the research seems to suggest that it doesn't impact them for the better, that social media brings an element of surveillance and distrust in romantic relationships that is still being sort of studied and, and worked out because it's it's so new, right? We haven't had these platforms for too, too long. And so it's, I agree with you, Samantha. I think that in the work that I have done, I think that whenever we're talking about something that has a digital component, whether it's her online harassment or online abuse or online hate speech or something like that, there is something about the digital interface that really allows for people to not take it seriously and to not think that it is a real problem. But I think that the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of people, especially younger people, this is how, this is how they are having relationships with people. This is how, this is how their relationships are playing out. And so to say, oh, well, you know, the digital realm doesn't offer anything that we need to really be looking too carefully about at as it pertains to relationships, that does not that does not align with the actual lived experiences of today's young people. Because they, they this is like very much dictating the kind of romantic relationships they have. I also think that we have really gotten to a place where we have n- normalized a lot of behavior that I think is not great. I wouldn't necessarily call it abusive, but behavior that is not great when it comes to digital autonomy in romantic relationships. The same way that for the longest time, things like stalking and date rape were fodder for funny plot lines in movies like 16 Candles or there's something about Mary. These are actually like very unhealthy relationship dynamics and they're being played for laughs and normalized in our culture. I similarly think that we've spent the last 10, 20 years normalizing a whole host of, I would argue, unhealthy digital behavior in romantic relationships and playing it for laughs. Like, it's not normal for a partner to demand to go through your phone. It's not normal for a partner to, when you're in the bathroom, sneak and go through your phone or write down your phone password to go through your phone. It's not normal for your partner to be starting huge arguments about whose pictures you looked at on social media platforms. I think that healthy couples might have issues that are raised because of social media, but healthy couples talk it out, right? If you are, if it, and I think people really need to understand that like, you know when something doesn't feel right, right? Like you, if you have a partner who is demanding to see who you've DM'd, demanding to read your emails or breaking into your emails or looking at your phone, that's not behavior that healthy couples engage in. And so even if you are having legitimate questions about like, oh, why are you liking all these girls' pictures on Instagram? What's going on? You should be able to have that conversation in a way that feels healthy and respectful and it's not full of control and demands. And I think that we haven't really had a conversation about what healthy digital behavior looks like in healthy relationships. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. 
Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We did an episode on cybersecurity and how scary that is. Like, someone gets your phone and they can install this stuff on you and just follow you around. But, like, you're right. You should be able to trust <laughs> um, that, you know, it, it's, it's, as you keep saying, it's about this control of this, no, I want to control your image. I want to control what you do online. I want it to seem like... I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. And what's fascinating to me about this case is a couple of things. But one is a lot of sports, I, this sh- shouldn't be an issue either way, but a lot of sports require you to wear a certain outfit as a woman. Unfortunately, she should be able to wear whatever she wants and it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I feel like there's the kind of, as we've been saying, that flip of damned if you do, damned if you don't. But then for, he has so much condescending like you're hurting me mm-hmm. kind of language, like gaslight, like you are actually the one that is being unreasonable here. I am being reasonable. And you just don't seem to understand how much you're hurting me. Oof. Oh my gosh. I have to like take a step back and remember that these are people that I don't know because mm-hmm. that was my exact reaction to those. T- like we, I've had men talk to me like that before where they are making demands on me and making it seem as though if I'm not meeting those demands, I'm hurting them. And actually, they're being really reasonable. They're using words like respect and boundaries and communicating very clearly and respectfully. But what they're saying is actually really not respectful. (laughs) You know, like, I, I just, I feel like I've gotten this text message before in my life. I think a lot of women recognize this behavior. What is, really kills me is how good he is at using, like, certain language to make it seem like he's being really measured and reasonable, and that she's actually being unreasonable, doesn't care about their relationship, doesn't care about his feelings and all of that. So you're exactly right, Annie, that Sarah is a professional surfer, a surf instructor, and a model. It's clear that if you're in that kind of profession, part of the, the gig is, like, your Instagram. You, if you want to get sponsorships, if you want, you know, gear companies to sponsor you, Part of it is how you present on social media. You're exactly right that, like, I wish that that everybody got to be able to have control over how they present. But, like, it seems like her digital likeness is very much like she has to make choices by virtue of being in this field that will align with her brand to further her career. That just seems that just seems like what it is. And so, one, it really seems like Jonah had a problem with this. But this has, it's not like she started surfing after they met. This was how she lived her life digitally before they met. Uh, He didn't seem to have a problem with it when they met. Like she showed a DM where he was commenting favorably on some of her pictures of her surfing in a bathing suit. So it wasn't like this was a surprise to him. But when they got together, he expected her to, to drop it. And so like in one back and forth, Jonah tells Sarah that he doesn't want her to be a model Uh, even though that that kind of modeling work is what she had been doing when they met. He says, 
Oh, and modeling, which is the last profession I would ever be with as a partner. Uh, Sarah responds, thought pics, in quotes. He says, but LOL, must be so hard feeling so trapped. Sarah says, well, maybe you should have asked more about what I do for work before you decided to date me. It's a little bit late now. Uh, Jonah responds, I agree with everything you said, except I am not comfortable with you posting bathing suit pictures, nor may I ever want that for my partner, and I reserve the right, and I'm open about it. Let me know. I will respect you either way, but those are my boundaries of this romantic relationship. Thanks. I'd love to know before the premiere so I'm not put in a position of publicly flaunting our love if my boundaries are going to be continued to be disrespected. That would be hurtful and triggering to me. Oh my God. First of all, if I, if I had gotten this text message, the quickness with which I would have disregarded this man, like... <laughs> Oh my God. But that's exactly it that like, the way that he's using the word boundary, boundary is not a demand, right? A boundary, it's completely fine if the boundary that he has set for his relationship is that he does not engage in relationships with people who are models. Then it is his job to to exercise that boundary. It is his job to keep himself out of relationships with models if that's his boundary. It is not her job to be like, for for him to be like, well, I don't have relationships with models and we're in a relationship. So guess you better quit your job, right? Like that's because it's a boundary. A boundary is not a demand. And so the way that he's able to really use the word boundary as a means of kind of, I would say obscuring his behavior and like, manipulating her a little bit and controlling her, but then also being able to skirt accountability of like, well, it's just my boundary, so guess you better quit, is is really something. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's quite funny that, and I saw this on TikTok in, in review of this conversation, is that the, the TikToker was like, I take back everything I said about men getting counseling. I don't think they should go with counseling anymore. <laughs> they, they should not go. And they should not be allowed to go because what happens is they don't necessarily get fixed, which is not the goal, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, but they find new words to use against you, like boundaries, disrespectful, triggering, like all of those big, big words that are now fashionable to say, not necessarily fashionable because they're, they're true, but it's now used up more often. But instead of using it as a way of expressing necessarily how one feels or dealing with their own trauma, they're using it as a way of uh, controlling another person and making them feel guilty because of that. But it's exactly. such a like, oh God, what is this? <laughs> Well, they've learned too much. <laughs> there's this there's this joke like men will do X, Y, Z instead of going to therapy. Like men will learn everything there is to know about ancient Rome instead of going to therapy. But this just goes to show you that like if you're just going to use therapy, like it's a get out of jail free card to do whatever you want and treat people however you want to treat them and control them. Maybe you shouldn't go to therapy, right? Like okay. I saw somebody tweet therapists, men who go to therapy, there should be like a like, you know how when you were in school, they had back to school night where your teachers and your parents talked? There should be like a therapy na- version of that where it's like, well, here's the side of, of him that he's presenting to me, the therapist. <laughs> right, <laughs> your friends right. and family should have to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I that was one of the first things I thought, too, when I was reading this was I, I've encountered this person, too, in my life that is very much like, well, I'm in therapy. Well, I've had this trauma in my life and that's why. You can explain, you can like have that conversation, a serious conversation, but you can't use that as an excuse to treat people this way or to manipulate people this way. And I feel like his whole thing was like, I can see him being like, well, I'm in therapy. Yes. (laughs) My therapist said. (laughs) So so, what's so funny is that we actually do have a little bit of insight into this because Jonah Hill (laughs) made a whole documentary on Netflix about his therapy journey and his therapist, (laughs) Dr. Stutz. And so that's a different therapist than the couple's therapist referenced in this text with Sarah. But the opening, I, I kid you not, I went back and watched it. The opening line of the documentary is Jonah asking his therapist, like, why do you think I'm making this documentary with you? Like, why do you think I want to do this? And the therapist is like, I don't know. I think it's because it's an attempt to control me and to control our relationship. And when I first watched that movie, I didn't think much of that. But going back and watching it for this episode, it was like, yeah, wow, that is, like, pretty insightful from this therapist, but also (laughs) interesting lens into perhaps the way that Jonah Hill forms relationships and uses therapy in those relationships. Just really fascinating stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So this is from Psych Central. Uh, A boundary is something that is a a norm for how you are going to behave, right? Psych Central says, personal boundaries are simply the lines that we draw ourselves 
in terms of our level of comfort around others. And so a boundary should really be about your behavior, how you are going to control your behavior, not about the behavior of others. And it's so interesting that every time he mentions a boundary, it is about something that he is says that Sarah needs to be doing, not himself. And so a, bound, a boundary would be like, like one of my boundaries is that I don't stay in conversations where people yell at me, raise their voice to me, or call me names. I can't do it, won't do it. So that is not to say that my partner can never raise their voice or never yell. yell. Um, that is to say that if that happens, I will, le- I will leave that conversation because I don't stay in conversations with people who talk like that. And so it is not about their behavior. It is about my behavior, how I am going to, to react if this happens, to, to draw that boundary around my comfort zone. And it's just very telling that the way that he's using boundary to mean a, a thing that she has to do. And I just want to be clear, like, your partner should not be sending you messages like this full stop. That is controlling behavior. If your partner is sending you screenshots of of things, offensive things that you've posted on your own social media, if your partner is shaming you for how you dress for your job, alluding to you quitting your job, that that will make them happy. This is not, this is not what respect looks like. This is not what love looks like. This is controlling behavior full stop. And I also think that like, I don't know, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this. I think that we are in a really weird place when it comes to male-female romantic dynamics. I, it doesn't surprise me that all of this is happening against a backdrop of like rising men's rights and manosphere content like Andrew Tate or podcasts like that Fresh and Fit that really display a kind of obsession with this hierarchy of men over women. I'm not saying that Jonah Hill or Kiki Palmer's boyfriend, I can never remember his name. I feel bad I haven't even said his name once, but whoever. Um, I'm not saying that that they are listening to Andrew Tate or these podcasts and taking notes, but I think that the way that that content by those kinds of male men's rights influencers is so ubiquitous on social media, like they'll take the clip, they'll put the clip on Twitter, the, the clip will go viral. You don't have to listen to the podcast to get the message that they're saying. I think that perhaps some of those harmful messages about gender and sexuality have trickled down into our everyday discourse and have become sort of ingrained in the way that we think about each other. And that's kind of the point of that kind of content is to keep people from being able to find common ground. Because when you are having healthy dialogues, healthy conflict, healthy relationships, you're not going to pay some scammer $1,000 for his like BS webinar on how to pick up chicks or whatever, they're really incentivizing us being divided and us thinking that the only way that we can have relationships with each other is through control and domination and submission. And that is just not accurate. People who have healthy attitudes around gender and sexuality and dating don't also have obsessions with women submitting and who is on top and who is in control. That is not what healthy relationships feel like or look like. But I think that a lot of these charlatans have done a lot of effective work at convincing us that th- that, that is a common dynamic in relationships. And it's just not. Right. Well, it seems like it, whether it's control or uh, they're going to cheat on you, like those are the two like big things with social media is that either you're going to die alone they're going to leave you. They're going to cheat on you. So you better do these things in order mm-hmm. to control them, which is interesting in itself that that is so dramatic. <laughs> totally. Like, it's all control, right? Like, the obsession of, like, is he cheating? Is she cheating? Are they cheating? Like, even that is, like, infidelity and what couples do around, like, what like what faithful being faithful looks like in dynamics of, of relationships People have all kinds of situations that work for them. Some people are monogamous. Some people are non-monogamous. Some people have open relationships. Like, there are all kinds of dynamics that work for all different kinds of couple and people because we're all different, right? But this obsession with cheating and find out if this person is cheating and this person is going to cheat and this person should cheat. And like, that's just not, an an obsession with that is not a marker of a healthy relationship. One where there is trust and communication. And infidelity and what, being faithful looks like within the confines of your specific relationship 
is a big part of relationships. Like, I'm not saying that healthy couples don't have to figure that out, but it doesn't look like this. Finding a healthy perspective on that doesn't look like this tit-for-tat, like, control. What they're describing are called high-control relationships, and that's not what a healthy, consensual vibe or dynamic looks like within a relationship, no matter what your relationship looks like. Yes, and I think, unfortunately, we're, we've been improving, but I still see that in so much of our, like, kind of romantic media. And I think people have gotten better about realizing, like, oh, this is a toxic behavior, but I'm still, for some reason, drawn to those, mm-hmm. especially hierarchies with gender. Um, but also, I wanted to say, I think it's important to note, because I bet a lot of us have experienced this, too, Jonah Hill, that whole idea that he you know, knows what she does. And then he has the problem after they start dating. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of dudes, and not just dudes, but I feel like a lot of dudes do that where they are like, no, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. So they get the date and then you start dating. And then a little way in, they're like, actually, I'm not cool with that. It's like they get their foot in the door and they're like, hey, you know what? If we want this to work, you're going to have to change things. Like, no, I was upfront with you. And again, relationships can change. You can have that conversation again later and maybe viewpoints have changed. But I feel like a lot of it is kind of trickery. It's kind of just like, oh, now I got the date and I'll wear her down. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So there was a thread in response to this whole situation of a woman who had worked as a flight attendant. And she talked about how flight attendants who are women are like, it's, it's, like, it's seen as like a fun career. You're jet set. You're going to different places. You're like really vivacious and usually like conventionally attractive. And how men would desire to be in relationships with flight attendants and be like, oh, I, I'm so drawn to how like full of life and vivacious she is. Then when they were in those relationships, demand that she stop doing that and essentially like break her or turn down her shine. And I'm here to tell you that the person that is for you doesn't want to see you turn down your shine for anybody. They love the way you shine. They don't want you to turn that off for anybody, least of all them. And I think that, you know, people, like, there was, a, there was a dynamic to this that I think is complicated, so I want to choose my words carefully. I saw a lot of people saying, men who want women like this, women who are going to be more submissive and present themselves the way that they're, the man in their life wants them to, those women exist so that these men should just find that kind of woman, the kind of woman who is going to be submissive and like be cool with being whoever this guy wants her to be. Here's, I get where that's coming from. Here's my problem with that. I don't think there is any kind of person who deserves to be controlled and who deserves to be like made to be somebody that they don't want to be to please somebody else. Even if you're somebody who is, who might describe themselves as submissive, that doesn't mean that you are like, because of that, that you deserve or, a, or are a good candidate for someone to exert control over you because nobody deserves to be controlled in a relationship. That's not what a healthy relationship is. And so I would posit that there is not a type of person for whom it is like, okay, for a guy to get in a relationship with and completely break and change, whether you're submissive or not. So in his memoir, Trevor Noah writes, Quote, the way my mother always explained it, the traditional man wants a woman to be subservient, but he never falls in love with subservient women. He's attracted to independent women. He's like an exotic bird collector, she said. He only wants a woman who is free because his dream is to put her in a cage. And that really stuck with me. I think that's exactly it. It's something about getting a woman who is independent and vivacious and turning her down for you. Kiki Palmer is a woman, she's an icon. She is vivacious. She is hilarious. She is someone who shines bright. And getting with a woman like that and expecting her to make herself more modest because she is yours, I think is exactly the dynamic that Trevor Noah is speaking to. Yeah, I agree. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. 
brilliantly boring since 1865 as a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated, PNC Bank a National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. It's strange, too, I've had this experience where dudes will tell me when, like, we start dating, like, I love that you're independent, and then skip to six months, they're like, actually, <laughs> tone it down a little bit. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> is that just a line you used? Okay. I think another interesting part of this conversation that's been ongoing as we have had these relationships in, the, in digital media is that there was some discussion around her Sarah publishing these mm-hmm. texts, right? Yeah, a big question is like, well, is it cool that after they had broken up, he's in a new relationship, he just had a baby. Is it cool that she is releasing these texts from an ex-partner? Is that a breach of trust? This is tricky, and honestly, like, your mileage may vary. I think it's, I think it's a fair question. Personally, my opinion, just, you know, representing myself and just myself, I think that Jonah Hill really went out of his way to, like, brand himself as a male feminist who has gone to therapy and is really, like, with it and interested in being an ally. And so I believe if you're going to market yourself to the public that way, which he's clearly done, information about how you actually meet those standards that you're setting publicly does warrant some public scrutiny. Um, That's kind of how I feel. People may not agree, and that's totally fine. The New Yorker's Emily Nussbaum, who was a critic at The New Yorker, she tweeted... It's gross to post your ex's private texts unless you have a really solid reason to do so. And this holds true even if your ex was a thin-skinned, manipulative weasel that used to be a given, but it clearly isn't anymore. So she, and, and other people felt the same way, that like it wasn't cool that she was releasing these texts after the fact. I don't know. I mean, Emily might be right here that it is a generational thing, but I do think that like maybe that's kind of the point because Sarah released these texts And so many younger women took to social media platforms like Reddit and Twitter to talk about how they had experienced the same kind of behavior from men, controlling, trying to dim their shine or knock them down privately, trying to shame them via social media and things like that. So, you know, I don't love the idea of releasing an ex's private text messages after a breakup, but nor do I love this expectation that we're meant to just stay silent when we have been mistreated in relationships. Sarah believes that she was emotionally abused. I would not tell anybody who feels they were the victim of abuse to stay quiet about it because that only benefits abusers. And so I also think there's so much stigma when relationships are coming to an end. I can only imagine what it's like for for celebrity relationships, but even in non-celebrity relationships, there is so much stigma around being like the crazy girl, the crazy ex. And so when you don't just shrink away and you say something about how you feel you were mistreated... I think that we've really stigmatized that. And I don't think that, I I don't know. I don't love the idea of outing somebody's private text, but I also don't love the dynamic that like, okay, we'll just stay quiet about it, even if you feel like you were abused, you know? Yeah, and I feel like we've seen that also play out with um, dating apps where women usually will be like, hey, this guy's real bad. Like, don't date him. Like, it can, there's the potential for that to be used in a very terrible way. And there's the potential for like a lot of context to be lost. 
Although I feel like that would be used more against women than men in a relationship. But I also think, yeah, it's if going back to that quote from Nussbaum, like I think that is something worth talking like that is a real reason to talk about it. Like I think that is and it's so insidious because it feels like, oh, it's just manipulative behavior. Get over it. But because we don't talk about it, because we view that as kind of a lesser abuse, mm-hmm. um, we we're like, well, just move on. Like just he's moved on. You move on when it's by doing that. We are harming other people who are watching. We're like, oh, OK, uh, we never talk about this. It must just be me or something like that. So I think there is like a real benefit in in talking about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know a child star has come out recently against uh, Jonah Hill as well um, because of Sarah's response. Mm-hmm. And there's some allegations floating about whatever it may be. But I think there there is that whole level of like what's too much when you start sharing everything in social media, just like kind of like Kiki's boyfriend be like, dude, that, that was too much. What do you do? <laughs> like, you know, there's there's moments of like finding those boundaries and and sharing too much. And the reality when it comes to celebrities is that, yeah, you're, you're going to get outed very quickly in this day and age with social media. So you better be standing true. And you kind of, you deserve your privacy for sure. Everybody deserves their privacy for sure. But don't play a character in real life and not expect to be called out. That is such a good way to put that. I saw so many people being like, you know, the only thing that is bad here is that Sarah released these private text messages. And my my thinking is like, if what Jonah Hill said to her is fine and totally normal, why is it bad that she released the text messages? It can't, both can't be true. It can't be like right. Jonah Hill didn't say anything untoward. And also she is trying to cancel him or ruin his life by right. making it public. And right. I, I read in a, in a, follow-up message that she released, she said that not releasing those messages was becoming damaging to her mental health. And I don't like a dynamic that says that she should sacrifice her well-being and mental health, if that's truly how she feels, to not cause a problem for a celebrity. Like, I don't know. I I just feel like like Jonah Hill clearly has a PR team. I think he'll probably be fine. Um, I don't think that, like... I don't think that it's her job to keep the Jonah Hill celebrity machine rolling at the expense of her own mental health. Um, Yeah. And Sam, I think that you put it well that we do need to have some conversations around what healthy behavior looks like as it pertains to our romantic relationships and social media. I don't think that we've had that conversation. And what I'm hoping is that this moment can spark us to have that conversation a little bit more clearly. Like for me, I don't put anything about my romantic life on social media. That's an intentional choice for a lot of reasons. It wasn't always like that. Like that was an evolution. It just works for me. It works for me. It works for the people that I'm in romantic relationships with. You know, I think people got to find what works for them, what feels healthy and respectful for them. And nobody can tell you that but you. And so this is, this stuff really matters, you know, There's a growing body of research, as I said, that suggests that social media can make relationships more complicated and more difficult. And separately, one study even found that social media triggered jealousy is linked with intimate partner violence. I'm not saying that's what's going on in either of these relationships, but just something to know is that like, this is not just online drama or whatever. This has real world impact and consequences. And again, I don't think that we should be just dismissing how relationships play out on social media as something that is not worth scrutiny because it clearly is. And so I put together a few like tips from this conversation that maybe will be helpful for folks. And if it's not, that's fine too. One is that your partner should not be using social media to shame you. Like if you have an issue in your relationship, healthy couples talk about it. They don't tweet about it, right? If your partner doesn't like how you are leaving the house while you're dressed, they tell you. They don't tweet it to the internet streets and let the internet streets do their thing. That is not how healthy couples resolve conflict, right? So that's one. Two, you control what you post on social media. If somebody is sending you screenshots demanding that you do things or not do things, that's not cool and that's not respectful. Uh, So you should be in control of how you show up on social media. Trust your gut, right? Like, you know, the same way that when I read those Jonah Hill texts, they kind of, the hair in the back of my neck kind of stood up because I've gotten messages like that from people. And it's like, I know that those are not respectful. Trust your gut. We all have that voice in in our head that is like, 
you're just being crazy. He's he's being fine. Like you're not like you're not re- you're not respecting him. You're gonna lose him. Don't listen to that voice. That voice is, has been programmed by decades of patriarchy and sexism and toxic gender stuff and all of that. Trust your gut. You know when someone is treating you with respect and you need to listen to that voice and and act on that voice. And just lastly, yeah, digital control is still control and everybody deserves autonomy over their lives and bodies, both online and off. Yes. Oh, what's that term? I, I, I'm so out of touch with all the terms, but <laughs> is it called like vague posting? It's like when you yeah. post. Yeah, vague posting. Like, hints of bad things happening. Yes, but you don't say who it is. Twitter and MySpace were like prime spaces yeah. for that. <laughs> oh my God. People on my feed, the one that gets me is like, I need your prayers and good thoughts right now. Don't ask me what's going on. <laughs> but I need your prayers. Prayers up. And it's like, well... If you didn't want people to ask what was going on, there was a way to do that, which is just not post. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, right. that's the one that gets me. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, uh, yeah, this is such an important conversation to have. And once again, Bridget, like, oh, there are so many different paths we could have gone down. And I, so many thoughts. We love having you uh, to talk about these things. <laughs> Where can the good listeners find you? Well, thank you for having me. I knew that I could trust y'all to have this conversation with all the nuance that it has. So thank you for that. Uh, folks can listen to my podcast on iHeartRadio called There Are No Girls on the Internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Bridget Marie or on Instagram at Bridget Marie in DC. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And we look forward to having you back, Bridget. Oh, anytime, always. Yes. <laughs> and listeners, be sure to, to follow Bridget uh, if you're not already. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can contact us at Stuff Media Mom Stuff at iHeartMedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff I Never Told You. Uh, we also have a Tee Public store. We have a book. You can pre-order it at StuffYouShouldReadBooks.com or on Audible. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. Thank y'all. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is production by iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.